You are listening to the 4th and 40 Podcast, presented by Dorm Room Sports. Welcome back to the 4th and 40 Podcast, presented by Dorm Room Sports. As always, we want to thank you for tuning in every week, and we ask that you have not already, please go ahead and give us a follow on TikTok and Twitter at 4th and 40 Pod. We also ask that you please go ahead and subscribe on your preferred listening platform, and please give us a review as well if that is an option. Something that we have been doing for the last few episodes, and we'll be continuing to do, is the listener questions. If you have something that you would like to hear, or a question you would like to ask, go ahead and shout us, shoot us an email. The email will be listed in the description below, and that's all we got for announcements right now, I think, but now let's get on with the show. We're going to start off with four downs, which I'm going to go ahead and give, let Jake go first this week on four downs. All right, so for my four downs topic, uh, I wanted to briefly talk about Antonio Brown, somebody that was seemingly in the headlines every other day about a year ago this time, um, and has seemed to have quieted down, believe it or not, if that's, <laughs> if that's possible. Um, you had seen a few videos of him working out with quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson um, and Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson even came out and talked about him, that he's been working tirelessly on his game and his personal life, and there seemed to be a, a bit of hype building up about him being back in the league, pending a potential suspension. Obviously, that, that is still to be debated and seen what happens. Um, he even reached out to Deion Sanders, who said that he would be. Do, uh, Deion Sanders said he would be doing anything as that's possible to get uh, Antonio Brown back in the league, and then that all happened. And then we see about two days ago a da- a trucker's dash cam down in Florida for a moving company. Antonio Brown getting a, a verbal altercation that later turned physical um, with this uh, truck driver, and it just kind of blows my mind. The guy has all the talent in the world and decides. He wants to do stuff like this. Um, I can't see a reality where we ever see him back in the league. I'm not saying this event is the thing that pushed him over the edge, but if I'm an NFL GM that was looking at a potentially signing Antonio Brown, hearing something like this come out just makes me think, you know what, forget it. So, Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you would think that if, if you're tr- – with the pass he had, if you're trying to get back in the league, the just what he would be doing is not what he's doing right now. He's just been – uh, he's a he's a head case. He's a mental head case. He's a lunatic. I mean, dude's a lunatic. I don't think I don't I just after stuff like this, I don't think anyone's gonna sign him. Go ahead, Dave. <clears throat> so for my four downs topic this week, um, I'd like to talk a little about uh Everson Griffin. He's a very interesting uh free agent right now, I think. Just because he has all the talent in the world, sort of just not like Antonio Brown, but he has a lot of talent. Um, and he's on the wire still, and he hasn't been picked up yet. And I'm just kind of curious as to why. Obviously, uh, me and Rug were talking about it beforehand. Um, apparently, he's had some of uh, some personal problems he's dealt with, some mental health problems. But uh, he's definitely a highly coveted free agent. Apparently, he's talking to a few teams. I know my Cowboys are one of them. Um, I would be very interested in bringing him in just because of the talent he brings to the roster and what he'd be able to do to help us out. And I think he'd be, even if you don't think he's a starter this day and age, he's he's more than certainly a rotational player who's going to give you very high production. Um, he has 74 and a half career sacks. He's a great pass rusher. He's great in the run game. And I think whoever picks him up is going to get 
a decent value from him just because um, he hasn't been signed yet. He so, wrecked yeah, that's that Saints that. game with Daniel Hunter. And when you have a pass rusher who can do that, mm-hmm. that's very mm-hmm. valuable. Go ahead, Mark. You can go ahead and... Actually, no, Rug, go ahead. Go ahead, Rug. No, let Rug, let, let, yeah, let I, Rug go. I'll, I'll go ahead. Yeah, so my four down topics about Marquise Hollywood-Brown. He had a really nice rookie season, really explosive. Not too great after the catch, but the great thing about him is he finished strong with five catches and 109 yards against the Titans, probably the one of the few Ravens who came to play with football that day. But the exciting thing about Marquise Brown is while he had a good rookie season, he played the whole season with screws in his foot. And he uh, was coming off, of course, lifts Frank Serge. It was a nasty foot injury that NFL players deal with. And it limits guys the year after the surgery. So I'm hoping that Marquise Brown, with the screws in his foot out, he's been working extra hard in the offseason. A little too much with his cousin for my liking, but it is what it is. Um, hopefully he keeps his head on straight. But I think he has the potential to be one of the great breakout receivers in the NFL this season. As Lamar Jackson continues to improve as a passer, especially outside the numbers, I think Marquise Brown could have a fantastic season. Let's just hope uh, Antonio Brown isn't um, preaching on how to act off the field to him on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> that Deion Sanders interview didn't do A.B. any good, uh, clearly. But, I mean, look, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So Antonio Brown will probably tell us how changed he is again in a month, and he'll go yell at another <laughs> truck driver or get arrested or do something stupid a month later. So is what Hopefully it is. he does it in Seattle, too. Be be <laughs> bittersweet. It would be awesome if he just <laughs> tore that locker room to shreds. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I want to talk about a little bit of exciting news that we've heard in the news recently with 31 teams allowing training facilities to be reopened for coaches and staff. And I'm just a little excited. I want to know if OTAs are a possibility of happening, what's going to go on with training camps. I know they briefly talked about how they're not going to allow fans at training camps, but I just think it's a good sign of things getting back to normal. Yeah, and that being said, I think, Allowing people back in the training camps and everyone getting back, I think it's kind of happened a little bit faster than what everyone expected. I mean, it just it's it's all came really fast. I mean, it wasn't like talked about three weeks ago. It kind of just happened and ended up going through. But we want to go ahead and transition to that into something that was in the news and has been very I mean, it's it's very optimistic by Texas. But Texas is saying that all stadiums will be allowed to have a fifty percent capacity. And that kind of brings up the question of what's going to happen across the league in the NFL, not necessarily college because that's a state, but this is, we're going to talk more about the NFL and how the stadium capacity really could be affected and what we think is going to happen. I mean, I listened to an interview with uh, Mark Cuban the other day, and obviously this is not uh, football, but he, uh, he was speaking on behalf of all like majority sports owners. He's on some task force that was put together, um, by the government uh, with important like personnel from each sports league. And he talked about like, this would be this uh, one of the opening stages, allowing stadiums at 25 to 50% capacity, obviously his stadiums in Texas. So he was pretty spot on by that. Um, and then slowly throughout the season, as the season goes on, allowing more and more people into the stadium. I think it's, it's a pretty cool idea. He even spoke to the extent um, of having, and I don't know how this would work. It was very brief in the interview um, of having team sponsored, like, buses or somebody uh pick up people that were sitting in similar sections to take them to the event to try to stop the spread of uh corona or whatever and he kind of mentioned that like half-heartedly but i thought it was a cool little quote that he said 
um, that I would like to hear them talk about more because it's just some different something to talk about. Uh, but it, yeah, it's interesting. It shows the economic power of sports. Um, the Ohio State athletic director said that over half the uh, school's revenue comes from the football program, and like without people in attendance, without people there, like they can't financially make it. So it shows how powerful sports are and the money that's involved in it. Well, more than anything else, I think it just shows the mindset of the country as a whole. I think people are tired of being cooped up in their houses and they're ready to get back to normalcy. So I don't. Th- I think by the time football season comes back around, I think we're going to be at 100% capacity for stadiums. That is very optimistic. I don't think that I is would, extremely. Optimistic. I would. I bet, think that's a little crazy. It's optimistic, <laughs> but I believe people are fed up with it. And if I mean, whether you agree with it or not, like just seeing all the tens of thousands of people protesting, whether you agree with it or not, and they're all together, a lot of people aren't. Now that's that. that's a valid point. It's going to be very hard to tell people to stay. You can't go to a football game after all the people gather in the streets in the last week. That is a that is a valid point. But the problem with football in the fall is the concern of a second wave and the concern that there's the, on a state by state basis how different the conditions are. So one of the one of the coolest things about this that's going to be that's going to occur is how our point spread is going to be impacted. So usually when you have a team that's at home, they're usually that's considered a two and a half point boost for being the home team. But without fans in the stadium, what what do you guys think that'd be? Maybe one and a half? And then if there is some fans in, like, maybe Texas, for example, there's 50% capacity, would that be, like, a two-point boost? I mean, how how's that going to impact home field advantage in different stadiums throughout the country, you guys think? Yeah. And I think I asked a, a shitty opening question, but really what I want to know is, do you guys think it's possible for Texas to have 50% fans and then D.C. or Maryland, because well, – Redskins play in Maryland. Do you think it's possible for them to only be able to allow to have 25% in the stadium? Do you think it's state by state or do you think this is going to be, you're going to see an NFL rule? It's definitely going to be state by state, but I don't know. Everyone seems to be leaning towards the mindset of we don't care. We're over it. Everyone can take your own risk and it's up to you whether or not you want to risk your health by going out and being in public like that. Zach, Zach asked a good question because the NFL, when you're splitting TV revenue amongst 32 teams, if one team gets to have fans in the stadium, then the revenues start to become uneven. The NFL might not want that because mm-hmm. they know some teams are going to be upset by that. Because if, if there's not going to be any fans in the stands, the players, everyone's going to have to take a pay cut. So how are you going to split that pay cut up? And the NFL might not want to split it up unevenly. They might just say, you know what, we're not going to have fans. Or like, because the head of the Players Association came out couple weeks ago he said right now we're planning to have full capacity and it's possible the nfl is going to say less states limit it specifically we're going to plan to have full capacity in our stadiums yeah and everything comes back to money with this i mean dan snyder is going to want to have as many people in the stadium as possible because he's a greedy little bastard he's not going to care about the health of people so if he said if there's if he's told he's allowed to have as many as possible he's going to and i think every i think all the owners will do that it's just a question of whether the NFL wants to assume that liability. Because now we're talking about if someone goes to a game and 80 people get infected, does this come back on the NFL, NFL's decision? Or is there going to be something in the ticket that says, oh, you're going, you're assuming your risk? Yeah, it's I mean, going to be exactly that? like that. It's going to be going by your own risk. If you decide to go to a stadium f- filled with 70,000 people, there's a higher probability chance that you're going to get coronavirus, obviously. So I think it's got to be going to be something like that where you either have to sign a waiver when you purchase the tickets or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. 
I think all solid points. Um, I also think it's interesting to think, say, and this is not me speaking from something I read. This is just like pure speculation. Say California says, all right, we're only going to allow 25% capacity. But these California teams that had already spoken to stadiums in their states when originally California wasn't going to allow uh, in-person sporting events, be like, if Florida goes, hey, for 49ers, for example, hey, you want to come play in um, like one of the stadiums down here, more ticket sales, more whatever. Um, does people go to see an NFL team like regardless of where they play? Um, is that something we see a possibility of? I don't necessarily think so, but it's an interesting like thought process to uh, bring up. Oh, I definitely think that's it's a really possibility because the owners are just yeah. in it for the money. If the oh, absolutely. San if San Francisco can go play in the University of Florida Stadium, just say for an example, they're going to take the money, whether or not if they can get a hundred percent capacity in the University of Florida Stadium, and they give say ten percent of the profit to the university for letting them play there, they're absolutely going to do that. I think that'd be a really interesting scenario to see play out. Like Forty ers playing in Florida for all their home games, like. It, it, it would just be wild to me. And how does that affect team schedule, travel schedule? Like, it's just, it, it would be wild personally. The other question I really have is, would you guys, are you guys comfortable? I know Mark would, is going to be big bad about this and oh, I don't give a fuck about coronavirus, but are you guys comfortable <laughs> going and sitting next to a random person in a stadium right now? Are you, would you be comfortable with that? Well, I already purchased my, uh, I purchased my week one. I tickets. work at a grocery store. Um, Philadelphia, me personally, at Washington, so I'm going I would to be com- I'd be comfortable with it if I'm not going to see my older relatives at all. But I'm very mm-hmm. nervous for my older relatives. I'm currently working at a grocery store, and that to, just to say that, I, I mean, like, it, it hasn't been something mm-hmm. that's, like, on my mind recently. Just because I've already been around so many people, and going to a fo- – I barely want to – work at the grocery store. So if I'm willing to do that and make money, then I guess I'll go to a football game and sit next to random people. And personally, I don't, I don't have a problem with it either. I'm just, I, I do, like Rug said, I'm I'm worried about my grandparents. I'm worried about who I infect because I know I'll be fine. I know I'll be okay. And I know we will all be okay. But like, it's, after these protests and stuff, it's gonna, the, 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 the rate's gonna come back. It, in the fall, it's gonna come, I think it's gonna come back. I think we're gonna see a spike and. That's that's nerve-wracking kind of to me. I don't know. Well, like I said earlier, people are just over it, and I think it, it shouldn't be up to the states whether or not they can withhold to up to 25% capacity. It should be your own decision whether or not you want to take the risk or not. So is that liability on the person or the, or the NFL organization? No, absolutely. It's on the person because you're making the conscious choice to go and have a higher chance of being infected, to go – have a good time. Yeah, but go watch your favorite team. Whatever. It's on the person until you get you file a lawsuit and you have to hire lawsuit, a good lawyer. Exactly. The NFL has liability exactly. issues. So well, that's in theory, said, you're right. Exactly. That's why I said have everyone. That you're right. If they sign a waiver, waiver, if they sign a waiver, that is an interesting thing to think about. But it's just this is so unprecedented that it's just it's going to be hard to figure out what direction teams are going to go in. And I think because it's going to vary by franchise so much, I think you're going to see something like Zach said, where the NFL is going to have to come down come out and kind of come up with a uniform policy. Mm-hmm. And like, Mark, you already bought your ticket. You didn't sign a waiver. Now the NFL has to go track you down to send you a waiver. And that ticket could now be sold on StubHub or whatever the fuck it's sold on. And now they're tra- like, the whole thing is, I don't know. If it's already in motion. The resale markets yeah. have already gobbled up tickets. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it could be something yeah, where you have to sign yeah, a waiver. Yeah, in the stadium. Dude. 
that that would that would be where they have to do it. Yeah, I think that's where they would. All right. Now moving on, we want to go ahead and talk about the next division that was voted on by the people on Twitter. We posted a poll saying what conference or, or what division did you want to hear spoke about uh, or talked about this week. And we came up or the people chose the AFC North. So we are going to go ahead and talk about the AFC North. I'll go ahead and give Rug the reins because this is kind of his his this is grounds. This is what he deals yep, with. I'm chopping at the bit. I'm excited for this. I mean, bottom line with the AFC North, being a member, being a fan of a team, the AFC North is something I take pride in. We play rough, tugged football, AFC North style football. And if you're not a fan oh, of an God. AFC North team, I I'm feel sorry shit. for you. The Baltimore Ravens went 14 and 2 last season. They had one of the best regular seasons in NFL history. If they just get a little bit better, they revamp their D-line, which after they got embarrassed by Derrick Henry, their secondary is coming back. The MVP of the league is only going to get better. Hollywood Brown's going to break out. Not only do we have big trust himself, Mark Ingram, we have J.K. Dobbins, absolute stud, going to get even better and better. We're going to have a fantastic season. But this is going to be a great division. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm very high on them. I fully believe they're going to be one of the top four teams in the AFC not only did ben, is Ben Roethlisberger coming back, and I think we're going to get one to two more good years out of him, the Steelers had some problems on the row line after losing Mike Bunchek last year with their run game schemes, but I think that's going to improve this year. They've lost Ramon Foster in the interior, but they got Stefan Wisniewski. Last year was the best Steelers defense in a very long time, and their edge defenders with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree looking to replicate what he did last year is going to be very important. The Steelers finally have a secondary that's worth talking about with Mika Fitzpatrick back there and their habit of playing soft zone coverage and their kind of being willing to be a lot more aggressive is going to be a prevalent thing. So I think we're going to see the best rivalry in football definitely resurface this season with Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Cleveland Browns, at the end of the day, they're the Browns. They have another rookie coach with a team full of talent, including a helmet beater, a guy (laughs) who proposes to kicking nets, a quarterback who is a terrible leader, but they're full B-R-O-W-I-N-I-E-S. of talent. R O W I N I E S. Brownies, wait, brownies, wait, brownies. I N. Well, I think no. Baker Mayfield did more commercials last year than he had oh, wins. So not off to a good start for him. And then, of course, Browns there's Jesus take Christ, over the uh, Joe Burrow, but he's not ready. His team isn't ready yet. But anyone well, else have anything to say about it? More of the story. More of the story here is. Rug is wrong. Browns win. Browns win. Browns win. They turn it around this year. Baker comes out back on top. He took a year off from the commercials. Back on top. He's ready to come out. He's coming back. Yeah, he's, the he's, Browns have literally never been on top. Back on top. Wait, what was Baker uh, Mayfield on where? top? Uh, I guess being I mean, in Cleveland right. on top is seven and nine, like Baker Mayfield's yeah. season. Yeah. So they're gonna go that's, seven that's and nine me. again. They're gonna get back on top, but on, by the way, you just just find it. Yes. We, well. I mean, they're going to do better than the Ravens. They'll be better than seven and nine. They're going to do be better than the Ravens. Joke. Yes, better than the Ravens. So what? Um, what about what about eight and eight? They're, they're, they're going to this year. <laughs> <laughs> what about so? What about the Browns' uh, matchup with the Ravens specifically? Do you think they'll do better than the Ravens? I think I think someone's going to tear Lamar's ACL early in the season. Ravens are going to have no backup, and they're just going to go to shit. The Ravens are going to have a shitty yeah. season. The Browns are going to come out on top. And the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger is going to eat a couple too many hamburgers, and he's going to be too fucking fat to play anymore. And so yeah. the Browns, B R O 
W-N-I-E-S. Brownies, 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 all the way. Let's go. I I'll say I'll say this about the Browns. I'm higher on them going into this year than I was last year. I think a lot of people jumped the gun last year when the middle of their defense wasn't really uh, as stout as it needed to be, and their O-line was terrible. I think they went into this offseason, they repaired both those things, and I think they could make a decent-sized jump. And I, I'm a firm believer that right now I don't think anyone in the AFC North can – like is going to be bad this year. I think the Bengals can surprise, get a few key wins, get a few nice wins. I think Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback. I think like I just gave uh, my reasoning for the Browns. Then of course you have the Ravens and Steelers, big Ben's coming back. We we know what big Ben can do. We've seen what he's done for 15 years. And we're going to continue to see it. Like you said, rug, I think he has another two, three good years. And I think, uh, I think Baltimore has nowhere to go, but up, I think Lamar is going to keep improving. There's no reason to think he won't. He's, He's one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. Anytime you got one of those guys on your team, you you make that playoff run, you make that Super Bowl run. But we we just have to wait and see what he can do come playoff time. That that's 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 all it's holding well, back right now. Uh, when it comes to record. Lamar, it's going to be zero and three come next. But year, his regular season record. record is fantastic. And regarding well, this discussion, it puts him in a good spot. Nothing when it comes. But it does to for this discussion that we're previewing the division for the regular season. Well, so, uh, but when it comes to week seventeen. And he needs a win to get in because the Brownies have already locked up the number one seed. Zach, your Browns are was atrocious. Let me uh, the Browns go aren't going to do anything next year. Come on. So Dave, um, Dave's right that the Browns' O line is improved and their interior D line is improved. They've revamped their defense, their front office. They fully bowed down to the analytics gods, which is the right thing to do, of course. And they've built. They had a great draft, bringing in Grant Delpit, Jedrick Wills. They're going to be a threat, but it's going to come down to Baker Mayfield. Odell Beckham's never won anything in his career, and it's because when one of your best players is also one of your most immature, that's not a good precedent to set. But maybe Kevin Stefanski, the young coach who wasn't even the architect of the Vikings offense, as Gary Kubiak was sitting there like a puppet master orchestrating that offense in Minnesota. Maybe Kevin Stefanski will be the guy to lead the Browns to the promised land, but I'll bet against it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm um, nobody, nobody's betting on the Browns. The Browns are laughing. I mean, well, I gave you, Zach, I gave you, I gave you the floor, right and now. your your argument was Lamar with Terra's ACL and Big Ben. Yes, yes, that's what you're not understanding. Lamar's ACL is already gone. Someone is doing it this year. Yeah, Chase Young. Lamar won't be running wild. Yes, yes, I I would love Chase Young if that happened. That would be awesome. If yeah, that's great for football. Lamar Jackson goes down for the team. What a great thing for the NFL. You're you know you're right. Well, it would be it would be a great ground. thing for me and Zach because we. Why you're irrelevant? Redskins aren't doing shit regardless with whether Lamar tears yeah, well, ACL or not. Baltimore because Lamar literally can't win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He's zero mm-hmm. two. He's in you know it would, be, it would be even better if the Ravens go fourteen and two again and they decide that they want to go and just lose the first round. Like, and then they they're, then they're just gonna yeah. pay Lamar forty mil a year just to suck and not win playoff yeah. games. Sounds like a good future for Yeah, me. we're you know, we're in such a bad spot. We have a quarterback who won the MVP last season. Such a terrible spot to be in. I I've well, I'm so one of the had the number one overall pick, so that's a that's two free wins well, you got Joe last Burrow, year. And then you still Joe, lost to the shitty Browns last year. Oh no, we lost two regular season <laughs> games. What man, it's horrible. We fucking lost less <laughs> games and your team won last season. Oh, <laughs> oh that's brutal. Oh wait, no, that's I, there it is. I just wait, oh, I just yeah. I just mixed that up, but yeah, the Redskins did only win three games. So the fact they were that bad that 
It's even close. <laughs> it's all right. We saw the 49ers had the second overall pick to Super Bowl, so Washington's going to do the same this year. Yeah, but if I'm being serious, I think the Browns are going to get that wild. I think they're going to play well enough to get I think the wild we're going to see spot. three AFC North playoff teams this season. Really? I think that's a great take, Rug. Cool. I, I think we could realistically see, see those uh, that top three team get in. I don't personally see anything in Cincinnati. I think – they got a pretty good quarterback in Joe Burrow, but I don't think that team is good enough to win anything. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're favored in one, maybe two games all season long up to this point. Um, and I just don't see them getting that much better than they were last year. Yeah, they're they're not ready yet. I think the important thing with the AFC North is I think the Steelers and Browns are better than every team in the AFC East. I think they're definitely better than every team but the Chiefs in the AFC West. And I think... In the AFC South, is anyone really convinced that the Texans, Titans, or even the Colts are significantly better than the Browns and Steelers? I I don't think so. I mean, we've already said we think the Colts are going to be pretty good, but I don't know if. You, but I, I think the Browns and Steelers are pretty. Steelers. I think the Steelers, yeah. like like yeah. I said, I could see the Steelers, the Ravens winning that division, the Steelers being in second at twelve and four. 11 and five really? and getting like a wild I, card out of that. I definitely could see I'm, that. I'm happening. just not as high. I just don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back the way you think he is. I also, if I'm my, he's my been bold injured so many times in his career and he's come back every time he's relentless. He's, he's fat. He's fat. He's not fat. Though. Sh- That's just the oh. lazy take. He's not fat. He's, he's, oh, he's, his ability to get move in the pocket and extend plays I've, it's it's haunted me for years as a Ravens fan. You, you think he's on the ground. He just slivers out of it, and he makes yeah. a big play. And that's not going to change. He's come off injuries. He's been injured a thousand times. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Each injury adds a little more to it, though. And his his play style, the way he escapes sacks is a very physical way. It's just always he's been strong, big, and like how many times can you do that before it eventually it does take that toll? And I I agree with you, Rug. I do think he has like I think he probably has one great year left, and then probably like maybe one or two more half decent ones, and then it'll probably be done for him. But yeah, we'll see. We'll season, see with Ben Roethlisberger, I'm man. High, I'm high. On the I'm, I'm very interested. Is anyone else with me that they think Joe Burrow should be sat this year? No. no. Why would you? Or say that? Absolutely not. No, hey, I, just because just because he's not, they're not going to win. He's going to win them like he'll probably end up winning them like three or four games and take him out of a, a high draft pick position again. Yeah, there's, there's no substitute for in game experience. Yeah, you got to develop. Live reps mean everything, and it's not close. Not close. I, don't know. I just, I, don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't like. Uh, I love. I mean, you see Patrick Mahomes, the Pagels actually Mark Jackson. A, well, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. is a unique case. They had Alex, they had a team that was winning with Alex Smith. And Patrick yeah, Mahomes was also yeah. we thought he needed some development. Turned out he was a god, but we thought he needed a little development coming out. Andy Reid offense. But who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he did need that development. Maybe that's why he's part of the reason why he's yeah, so it's, great. It now. definitely yeah. helped him. I mean But you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's gonna be an interesting season, the AFC North. It's definitely like, be one of the most like kind of on. I think the Bengals are better than what people think they are. They got they got Jonah Williams coming back this year. They got uh uh what's his name? Joe Mixon, good running back. AJ Green, if he can come back and play actually. Oh, AJ Green. He's been, AJ he's Green been is for fantastic. two years, but he's a great receiver. If he yeah. himself, he is as good. And we're gonna get I might as well segue right into this right now, our top five receivers. Let's do yeah, our quick let's list. Go, let's go and get it. Get into it. 
Um, let's start. Let's start with just let's just do how we did last week. Let's kind of let it roll. Let's see, all say kind of our number ones and then debate them as it go. Julio Jones is my number one. Absolute. It's not even a debate. He's been the best receiver in the NFL for five plus years, in my opinion. Better than even Antonio Brown when he was at the top of his game. Whoa. DeAndre Hopkins, oh. my number one. It's not even debate. He's been better than Antonio yeah. Brown for the five plus years. He's been in the league, not even close. I'm t- I'm going with D Hop as well. Strong hands, Julia strong Jones, hands out of any of the top receivers. Yeah. I mean, look, it's hard because he's my number two. He's a god. I think Hopkins a little more exa- strong hands. Exactly right with Dayson. Julio's got a little thing. It's actually similar to I saw Matt Walden break this down. How Lavisca Chenault when he is about to catch a ball and he kind of in his rear view mirror sees someone about to hit him, he drops it. Julio has a little bit of that tendency sometimes, and he's corrected it. It's not a major problem. I'm kind of nitpicking, but. Diop's hands are so strong. Like Watson would just—he's like a—they're like gloves. Well, yeah, I haven't seen Diop lift his team to a Super Bowl like Julio did. Uh, after that's disagreeing, not what happened. After disagreeing with Mark a lot last week with the running back, I—I I think he's spot on right here. I have Julio. If I—if you're going out there to build a wide receiver in Madden right now, you build Julio Jones. Like that's just what it would look like. Um, he's also not to mention everything else you just added about like him as a receiver. He might be the best blocking receiver in football that I've ever seen. So who's faster, D Hops or Julio? Julio. 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 Julio's Julio's the physical freak. He's he's probably one of the most gifted physical athletes. I mean, you can't go wrong in the NFL. Julio. Right he's now. mine. I'm sure Dave yeah. and I have him at number two. I mean, it's not it's not like something you can go mm-hmm. wrong with. I just. I think Diop's one thing about Diop is he's before Watson he had horrible quarterback play, and he's still finally put up numbers. Julio's really good. I mean he's amazing, but I definitely don't think like Mark said he carried the Falcons to a Super Bowl. They had one year with Kyle Shanahan where the offense clicked, the running game clicked, the offensive line was better than usual, and Julio was amazing, but he definitely wasn't the only component. Something else to keep in mind, uh, Julio's also had good number twos. Mm-hmm. He's also had really good number twos throughout his career, whether, whether that was uh, Roddy White, Mohamed um, Sanu, Calvin Ridley. Uh, last time I checked, DeAndre Hopkins has Will Fuller for three games a season, <laughs> and then he's getting yeah, triple he, covered the rest. Yeah, that, that's like, a great No point. tight end either. No so tight end. are we all – everyone who doesn't have Julio number one, do you guys have D-Hop two then? And then we have – Yeah, uh, we, of course, I have, we have D-Hop as my number two. Okay, I have D-Hop two. All right, so – all right, let's – That's right. It's an it's a, it's so, an yeah, argument. So we'll start Michael Thomas at three. Yep, nope, not for, three. not for me. Michael um, Thomas at three. Michael Thomas at three. I have AJ Green at three. I think AJ Green's a superstar. Well, that's just an absurd take because he hasn't even yeah. played football in three he years. He hasn't played. So what? Like, when he's his no, AFC when North bias is at the this top is, uh, of this game. This is a AJ Green for players who aren't in discussion for AJ retirement. Green. I mean, if if you weren't he's an NFL fan, you would think AJ Green retired five years ago because that's the last time he was relevant. I mean, that's just fall five years ago. <laughs> Obviously, Mark exaggerated a little bit, but he hasn't played, Rug. How are you going to put him above Michael? Because he's going to play this season. He's going to come right back. Because oh I think he's God. more talented than Michael Thomas. He's more physical. He has a larger route tree. He's basically DeAndre Hopkins. Right? That's why he's not number one because he hasn't played. He put up amazing numbers with Andy. Dalton. I have neither. I have neither of those guys at three. I have Mike Evans at three. Wow. Personally. I think I think Mike Evans is a very very very. I good receiver. also have Mike Evans and at I number think... four, right behind Mike Thomas. He is I have my Evans number at five. Four. I have Evans at four. Yeah, 
He's he Jake talked about run blocking with Julio earlier. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the video of Michael Thomas. I mean, not Michael Thomas. Mike Evans basically chokes <laughs> Newman on a run block. Uh, the dude, the dude's a monster. He's a tight end that runs a four four. Like he's a crisp route runner. He sits in zones well, yeah. uh, and he pl- he's played with. James he's also Winston one of the most. Career. Well, that could so, be a benefit because Johnny- Jameis Winston just doesn't give a fuck and he just throws that fucker. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike is my but, number five. Like people forget how, yeah, people forget how good he uh, made Johnny Manziel look at A and M, and he made Winston look good a lot too. Like he 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 definitely uh, makes his quarterbacks look a lot better than what they may be. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Tom Brady. So where, so, so Mike Evans is that our consensual three or no? That's our would consensual. You rather have that's eight, eight, three, four, four, three, four. We'll say three four. Okay, so who's ever who? Where's everyone else's four? Because I have fifth. I got Mike Thomas at four. I have Thomas at four. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas at four. Okay. Well, I mean, we're, we're pretty much in better so no agreement. Has Tyree Kill up in the top five. No. Tyree Kill's my top. Okay. My fifth. I, I think Tyree Kill's five for me too. I think he's a little too yeah, erratic. I think so. We're in agreement. Odell's not in top five. I would say Odell and pure talent would be top. He's well, we are top not in agreement because Odell is my number five. Oh, okay, good. Based off so, of what you just said alone. Oh, just off wow. pure talent. I mean, it was kind of hard. I, I do hate OBJ, but he's just so talented when he can actually play and when you don't see him sniffing coke off hookers in France every two weeks. So, it's just not, hard because he's, he's doing that. Good. He's so good. He, he he is. I think he's the most talented receiver I just, in football when he's when he's got his head on his game, but it I have doesn't a, happen often. I have a problem putting Odell uh, even – Almost inside my top ten when there's receivers like Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams. Like I, I'm sorry, I'm not taking Odell over those two. Well, yeah, and they're not even in my top five. I was gonna say I had so many people that could have replaced OBJ, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Tyree Kill, any of mm-hmm. those guys to mm-hmm. switch with OBJ yeah. easy. Yeah. I just I love I love what Tyree Kill gives you on a football field. I mean, you get him in space and he's gone. I mean, I think you're gonna see that from C D Lamb. Which is kind of scary, but Tyree Kill is your scary. entire game plan. You like if you're a coach and you just run Tyree Kill across the formation, you could be running a stretch to the left and you run him the other way. The entire defense takes notice, like no other receiver in football. He is just such a threat with a ball in his hands um, that even what he does to affect a game outside of pure numbers um, and with the ball in his hand is just it's just mind blowing to me. It's just high percentage that he's probably going to score. If he touches the ball, it doesn't matter who's on the field playing defense or where the offense is at on the field. If he touches the ball, there's a very – he probably has the highest percentage to score when he touches the ball out of any receiver in football. And it's 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 so dynamic and explosive. Like, as a Cowboys fan, I remember watching the game a few years ago before halftime. <laughs> um, usually teams run teams run the Hail Mary. They didn't run that. Dallas were, were playing their DBs. Their feet on the, were on the goal line. Um, they ran kind of a drag and they had the three receiver trips on the left, just run streaks. And Tyreek came behind those guys and he scored from like the 50, like off a drag. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable to me. I'd never seen anything like that. Like player players aren't in the NFL that the physical and athletic disparity shouldn't be that great between players. And Tyreek Hill, he's the, he's one of the fastest player we've ever seen in pads. But, like, he, along with that, he has that agility and quickness that most fast players don't have. And I, I feel like that's what makes him so special. 
everyone remembers the yeah. old men's that when you had a faster player than the other person, you could kind of like run backwards at an angle for like a split second and like your players like speed, but like would like out the, the defender would take a flatter angle and then like you could run around them. Like every one of us played man and remember stuff like that. Right. Tyre, mm. I've seen Tyree kill actually do that on a football <laughs> field in like as an actual person. I've never seen anybody else do that in my entire life. And that's, that's why I just can't keep him outside of my top five. Um, it's, it's just amazing to me. Yeah, pure yeah. talent. He, I definitely get the argument. I just don't think he carries enough of a load to be a top five receiver for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I love him. I love Tyreek Hill. I think he's one of the most interesting I love him on the field. Watch. But that being said, let's go ahead and get in our one listener question of the day. But for our one listener question this week, I'm going to let Rug go ahead and read it. So this question is from Tom, and uh, I'll go ahead and read it. So he says, I really enjoy your podcast. What do you guys think the chance that the COVID-19 virus will come back strong later in the year during the flu season and force some cancellation of NFL games in November and December? Also, will this put more of an urgency on winning games earlier in the season to guarantee a playoff spot? Uh, well, I think um, I, I, I doubt that there'd be cancellations because I feel like right now they've basically confirmed there's going to be a season. And they did that knowing that there's probably going to be a spike back up in the fall. So I don't think there's going to be a cancellation just for that pure fact, because everyone knows that there's a very high probability it's going to spike again. So, oh, no, canceling games, I feel like, is something that won't be happening. Oh, it's definitely not going to happen. Would they ever do something, though, where they, if there's like a a wave in November, midway through the season, where they kind of cut the regular season off early and then skip to the playoffs like two months later, would they ever, I don't think they'd ever do that, but would it be something they would even consider? I don't think they can. I think if there was a situation like that, they would remove the the 50% fans or whatever they decide to do at the time, and they would just eliminate that and just go straight to playing without fans. Well, I think everything's... enough players in the league test positive? What if what if enough well, players? We gotta be real. Well, you said enough players, yeah. I, it depends. It's hard to figure out what. I mean, what that would. Exactly what happens if three like. starting QBs test positive? If three starting QBs test positive, that's At, three teams that lost their starting QB. That's huge. Okay, well that happens anyway due to injury or whatever every year. So I mean, yeah, that's okay. So I you're mean, adding that on top of injuries. But would you shut down the entire league over that? Because then. Then you're it's just saying, be, oh, if a quarterback yeah. test positive, yeah. I'll shut down the league. But if a running back, no. three running backs do, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, that's where it kind of – I mean, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, Rug, but it's it's it's, it's unprecedented territory. You really don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Like, if a huge spike does happen in the fall, then I think – I honestly think, like, talking about we're all in college. Like, it's going to be a shit show at school if there's a huge spike. Like, I think everything will be a shit show if that's the focus of what's going on in the news day to day. Because, let's be honest, the news puts a spotlight on the current event. And if that's that puts sure. pressure on that put that puts pressure on the NFL, it happened in the NBA early in the season. Like it was a lot less known of what the virus was like, but at the end of the day, they're going to put pr- pressure on the NFL to say, "Oh, there's a lot of lot of cases happening right now." How yeah, are I you fully still believe that if, you if, care if Sped Rudy Gobert didn't literally contaminate everybody with the virus, that we would have gotten finish up the ACC tournament, and all the college basketball attorneys that weekend, then they would have shut everything down. Yeah, I agree. So, Rug and I are here after the listener questions. The listener questions were supposed to be the end of this of this fucking podcast. Or uh, this part, we're supposed to have a fucking interview with Coach Sakari, who brutally just fucked us. I mean, 
we had, I mean, we were doing the interview. Um, he was driving home. We were like, okay, it should work. But he was actually in the mountains in Maryland, and his signal was dog shit. So he's like, yeah, like, let's just do it when we get home. Next thing you know, dude's like, all right, let's do it now. And then, like, and then no response when we try to do it. No response, no response. And then he just ghosted Dave like you've never been <laughs> seen before. And Dave can't even get a response out of one of his former coaches. <laughs> but that being said, we got some wheel, wheel breaking news. And that's honestly why we are back because today, in the last like three hours, shit kind of happened that we would like to bring to you on this episode. One of those being Dalvin Cook, and I'll let Rug kind of go over what Dalvin Cook wants and what happened. Yeah, so Dalvin Cook is going into his fourth year with the Vikings. He is on his rookie deal. He was not taken in the first round, so he's getting paid even less than first-round rookies are getting paid. Guys like Jamal Adams are already complaining about wanting a new contract. But basically, Dalvin, according to Adam Schefter, he's just ready to hold out. He's ready to lockout he does not want to play under this deal and it's just kind of the latest example of running backs not feeling that they're valued enough we've seen it with melvin gordon we've seen this with zeke it worked for zeke it didn't work for melvin gordon um but dalvin he's just not he's a good player but he hasn't been healthy he's a fucking his idiot. career he's a fucking idiot say it how it is he's a fucking spet <laughs> I mean, he, but, I mean, he is delusional because right now yeah. during COVID, to, I mean, how can these guys expect an extension right now during COVID? It's not, not even just that. Is he better than Melvin Gordon? Uh, I, I love yeah. Dalvin personally, and I, I, I would say he is a little bit, but it totally backfired bit, right? for Melvin. I think he's a little bit better. But did he not just watch what happened to Melvin Gordon in the same situation? Like – what the fuck's going through his head? I don't know. I mean, that's that's just it's so it's so self centered. It's no team correlation at all. Like that's just he's on a team that has a chance to go make the playoffs and probably will. And he's just letting. I mean, he's just letting his team down. Like it's so self centered. It's a dick fucking move, and he's a fucking <laughs> moron for it. And like, it's even it's even more self centered right now as you see everyday people just fighting paycheck to paycheck during a tough time like this and look I, I'm usually all four people get their money but it's a bad it's, it's not a great look I mean for his teammates it's not a great look it's and he there, if he has not played he's missed so many games in his career he has one good season he thinks he gets he deserves the entire farm he's a free agent coming up soon as it is and he just doesn't mm-hmm. even want to pay play out the last year of his rookie deal so it's definitely lines, it's a problem for did- them we just did the top 10 running backs or top five. And we quickly noticed that the top 10 are really, really good. And Mm -hmm. then you even get right below it. And they're still really good running backs. Running backs right now are a dime a dozen. And all of them are in one or two system, two, three, maybe two or three, maybe running backs in that system that are used. And you're not as valuable as you think you are. And you saw it with Melvin Gordon, not getting paid. It's, it's that like, He's not going to get paid. He's not – he hasn't been on the field enough, and he's not like he's just handling all the load. Like, I don't know what he – who he thinks he is, Adrian Peterson in his prime. He's just not going to get – I don't know what he even wants here. I mean, I you saw it with field. Raheem Mozart. Dude is a good player, but did exactly. anyone know who he was? He was a Ravens practice squad player. Gone, exactly. cut. Now he's a good player. It's all about scheme. Running back it's just doesn't matter. Scheme. Todd it's Gurley. All of a sudden, goes from a superstar to just now he can barely – he's barely going to be a starter in Atlanta. 
I think one person David Johnson. About DeMarco Murray. People forget about DeMarco Murray. And what's funny about him is he actually was one of the better signings, not because he did overly well, but he just didn't totally fall off a cliff in Philadelphia. He had another good season. So it's yeah. just it's just it's time and time again with running backs. And I think Dalvin knows this, and that's why he's so desperate to get his contract as early as possible. Because if he gets hurt this year, he might be fucked. He overall. is. But, but I don't know. How can you ask for an extension right now? Because what is a team – the NFL doesn't know if they're even going to have fans in the stands, so they yeah. can't even project yeah. their revenues. I mean, their yeah. salary cap. Like, what if you saw? Got, <clears throat> excuse me, if you sign a guy on an extension, that's not market value because the salary cap is going to be impacted by not having fans in the stands this season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. But moving on, an hour ago, eight uh, twenty-six p.m., this article was published on ESPN. Um, the committee, the college football committee just drafted a six-week practice plan for schools stating that players could be back to campus and practicing and begin working with the teams as early as July 6th. Let's go. That's crazy. I mean, we're talking schools don't even know if they're opening yet. Schools don't even know what they're doing for their fall semester. My roommate's girlfriend just got told that she has to re-register for classes because they're changing up the whole schedule at JMU. Wow. Like, people don't even know when they're going back to school. But yet, here comes college football. Fuck everyone else. We're good to go. July 6th, let's get back on campus. Like, nothing's going on, and let's get to practice. I mean – It's all about the money. It's all about the money. And you know what? I'm all for it. I love it. Love it. There's no way you can't be all for it. It's just a little hypocritical. Like I, oh, absolutely. I fully acknowledge it's hypocritical, but these schools, they want, they need a semblance, even though a lot of professors aren't going to want to teach in person, they need a semblance of kind of normalcy and college football will help do that. But this is, this is a huge step. It's a uniform NCAA rule where they're now allowing everyone to go. So all the schools are going to be able to do it. So it doesn't discriminate where just Southern schools or mm-hmm. based on the state. Yep. So it's, this is really exciting. I'm I'm really excited about this, and let's I mean let's get it. I, we're gonna get college football. I mean, especially with the announcement today from the World Health Organization that there's not as much asymptomatic transmission as we originally thought. Um, that's being still being totally confirmed, but it's another good sign. It's just things are headed in the right direction for sure. Yeah, things are definitely headed in the right direction, and I'll let you transition that into what you want to talk about with kind of recent news coming out about Dabo Sweeney and stuff at Clemson. So there's been some there's been some rumors. Well, there's two news stories at Clemson. So with Dabo, there's been some rumors that he allegedly used some racial slurs in the locker room. Um, they're kind of more they're out there. A few different sites, a few different articles. It's not been a substantiated. I know the USC fans are all over it, um, which I totally understand. I will say this about Dabo: he's a very religious, old school guy. Um, take take that for what it's worth. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think there's anything that's going to come out of it. But it's always interesting when the rumors swirl, especially at a time like this when many people are past comments like Jake Fromm's are coming to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about, like, with the Iowa strength coach right now, right? I, yeah, Iowa strength coach, what's going on with him? He's like, I never said this. And then there's a few people backing him up. And it's just, like, it. This the stuff in the news about coming out about racial slurs and it's just very it's, I mean obviously it's wrong if they have used them, but it's frightening because 
someone can make an accusation about someone saying something mm-hmm. and next thing you know their job their job's gone or on, they're on leave until so uh it's it's my word against his and like in a right now i mean you're most likely going to lose that argument and yeah it's, it's just, the battle of he said she said versus are you worth the trouble yeah and in dabo yeah. sweeney's case um because of his wild success yeah. if it comes out that he did actually say something like there are a few of his former players that are alleging then he's less likely to be fired than another coach because just of his success, just because he's yeah. been so incredible and because of all the revenue he brings into that school. I mean, just as a result of success. Yeah. So it's gonna it would take a lot for them to actually let him go. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Dabo Dabo's from what you can tell, Dabo looks like a great guy. If a few things came out, then a few things came out, and he's got to either own it or refute it, and we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, that's a great point because even if he did say something offensive in his past, think about all the great things he's done for so many people. Yeah. So it's very hard when you're going to take one thing somebody said and then use it to just eviscerate them. This idea that you can't make a mistake and you can't repent for it is it is a bit of a concerning trend you're seeing not only in sports but in all professions right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, all right. Well, that will do it for this podcast. We are sorry we weren't able to get the interview in, but we were. We are happy that we were able to get this kind of emergency press report out with stuff that just happened. Uh, Rug and I really wanted to do it just so we could kind of give you what just 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 went on and. I mean, it would have been a week before we could have touched on it, so we thought it would be necessary to get it out there. But please go ahead and drop your listener questions to the email in the description below. And we want to thank you for tuning in this week and have a wonderful rest of your week. Peace.